You're listening to Radio Influence. You are sitting ringside with David Penzer on Radio Influence. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of City and Ringside. My name is David Penzer. We are so happy that you are here, as always, to listen to this thing we call a podcast. Week one of the Wednesday Night Wars is in the books, and I'm going to give you some impressions and uh, that I had. And not only that, but we are very happy to be able to get uh, fit into the schedule of the uh, pro wrestling historian and journalist, probably the the... the best that there is out there, uh, and that's Dave Meltzer from WrestlingObserver.com. So Dave's going to jump on and give us some inside information and his thoughts about the ratings and, and about the shows and uh, all that. Before we start off, I want to thank you guys. Uh, the month of uh, September was the best month in the, what, year and a half? Year and, year and a half history of this podcast. Blown away by the support uh, from you guys, and I uh, just want to thank you. Uh, there's a lot of different peop- uh, shows out there, and the fact that uh, you would take a moment to listen to this podcast is as humbling as uh, I could even tell- let you know. And uh, I didn't know what I was getting into when I started, but I never in a million years would have thought it was it was this. So thank you for September, and uh, uh, again, if you have any input on the podcast, you could hit me up at David Penzer on Twitter or at Penzer Ringside, and... Um, uh, but uh, thank you for sticking with us. And uh, as you have been, as it looks like, be sure to spread the word if you like what you hear. So thank you very much uh, from the bottom of my heart. Very humbled. So the Wednesday night war started. And um, I, well, my plan was to watch, to watch um, uh, All Elite Wrestling live until the uh, Tampa Bay Rays wild card game landed on uh, Wednesday. And so I, I couldn't help myself. I know I should have watched a lot. But I did, I, I will tell you this, I did go go back and forth during the commercial breaks. So I was able to see a little bit about what was going on. Um, but I did watch it right after the Rays game, and the Rays won, knock on wood. And um, and, and, and I, I, I really don't have any complaints. There, were, there, weren't, there weren't a lot of interviews. And from what I've heard, and we could check with Dave Meltzer, that, that was by, by choice. That was by choice of the company. They wanted to show off the in-ring talent. Uh, the even the matches that maybe would have been slow, the crowd wanted to love. Uh, the women's match uh, started out a little slow, but the crowd willed those 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 girls, and and they were as into that match as any other match. Um, I thought that the ending with sort of an NWO style beatdown, and I don't know if that's what they had in mind, but that's what I thought of, of the elite, which is, you know, the elite was what started this whole thing. And the, uh, the NWO type beatdown of the elite with um, what seems to be a new faction of formerly LAX and the, I guess, getting pushed Sammy Guevara, who actually had a hell of a match with Cody early in the night. And that's not easy to do when you're the first match on this brand new show uh, with everybody has expectations. So, so good on them. And, um, and uh, Jake Hager joined the group. And, you know, he's been around a lot as Jack Swagger. And, and you know, although he was world champion, he, he you know, mostly a mid-card guy in WWE, and they don't always translate. I think I've watched his Bellator matches, and I think the fact that he's dominated in Bellator and MMA has really upped his reputation as far as being a, 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 a main guy, as far as being a, a top talent. And um, 
you know, if you're going to go with LAX, Ortiz and Santana and Guevara and even Jericho, who's who's uh, not the biggest in the world in a faction, uh, you obviously need somebody, a uh, monster. And uh, Hager was that monster. And it was a nice little surprise. There had been rumors about it. But it's always good to have uh, some surprises. Uh, I saw people online trying to equivocate that to the Luger coming out. It's, guys, it's a totally different world we live in now. Luger uh, had just come from a WWE house show and was on the pre-taped Raw that was airing when we were live. So it, it, it's a totally different world. You can't compare. Uh, there's nobody they could have brought out there that could have compared. They, they could have brought Hulk Hogan out there. Uh, and unless he was on the NXT and then flew on a jet to AEW, it couldn't compare to actually what the situation was uh, at the time. But um, but that was you know we talked a little bit about that with Scotty Riggs last week and um, and Lex. It was just a unique situation that happens once in a lifetime. But uh, I like I like them bringing Jake Hager out. I like that little group, and uh, I I really have no complaints on the show. Thought it was a great show. Uh, thought. Shivani really uh, blended in well with Jim Ross and Excalibur, and uh, I'm so glad for Tony that he has found his way back to T. It's just an amazing story. Hopefully we'll get uh, Dave's thoughts on it uh, in just a little bit. But um, just an amazing story. As far as NXT, I'm not a huge NXT guy. The, the wrestling's good. Um, I, I just It's never been never been something that I've been blown away by, and I don't know why, because it's simple, and it's easy, and it's good, and uh, I don't know. I, I, I just, you know, maybe, I'm, maybe I think people are in the mood for something new. Uh, it's been the same players for a long time, uh, and this is, you know, I find this new and, and refreshing and energizing, and look, the ratings are in, and uh, the AEW dominated for sure, uh, but as I said on social media and on Twitter, this is a marathon, not a sprint. And one week does not make a company or does not a company make. And uh, while I'm sure they're excited for the success that they had, um, this is uh, going to be a long, protracted uh, battle. And not only a battle with AEW versus NXT or AEW versus WWE, but AEW to be able to grasp on and keep the fans that they, that they have and expand their fan base. So, you know, uh, when, when uh, WCW Monday Nitro started, uh, I think there was a million five people that were watching Raw. It was like a million three people that were watching us. And uh, by the end of the war, at the, at the height of the war, not the end of the war, we know how the war ended. But by the height of the war, there was six million people watching each show, which Jimmy Hart never believed, by the way. He it was sure those were the same six million people switching from one channel to another. Um, but, uh, but, but, you know, it counts as $6 million for each show. It counted back then, and it counts now. So, uh, so I, while I thought the show was good and I, and I uh, uh, am excited about the future uh, for the wrestlers and the wrestling business and the wrestling fans, uh, we're, this is not the end of the road. This is just the beginning of a long fight. And I wish everybody the best because, like I said, the people that win are the wrestlers and the wrestling fans. And uh, it's, it's fun. It's exciting. And as we tape this, SmackDown will start on Fox tonight. I'm super excited to have kind of a, a underground rock mark. Uh, uh, just uh, you know, you, you don't you don't see promos in the business like like Dwayne Johnson does, and I think he cherishes the one time a year, once every 
you know, when, once every two years that he could go in front of that live crowd and, and get that reaction. And, and, and you could tell, and the guy's so talented and, and witty. And so I'm really looking forward to that. And, and hopefully uh, between him and Steve Austin and Flair, and uh, you know, SmackDown, I wish them all the best on Fox. It's a heck of a platform. They're getting paid a lot of money. Uh, and I love the, the new look on Raw as far as their set and all that. I thought that was super, super impressive. And, um, you know, with Paul Heyman running the ship, not running the ship, but steering the ship, Vince is running it. Uh, well, you never know where that's all going to go. And so it's fun time to be a wrestling fan. Geez, not to mention uh, uh, Impact started on Axis and, and uh, so much more that's going on in the business as we speak. So a fun time to be a part of it. And uh, you could follow along with us, plus your special guests tell their stories each and every week on Center Ringside. And again, thank you for a great September. Without further ado, honored to have this person on for the first time. And what a better time to have him on than week one of the uh, Wednesday Night Wars. I almost said it, Jerry. Week one of the Wednesday Night Wars. He is the grand poobah of inside wrestling journalists. He smartened me up, smartened many up. And even back when it was against the rules to, to quote unquote, to read his newsletter, everybody, even the ones that were enforcing the rules, was reading it. And I'm talking about Dave Meltzer, the wrestlingobserver.com. Please welcome to City Ringside, the one and only Dave Meltzer. All right, ladies and gentlemen, as promised, and what a week it was this week, the Wednesday Night Wars, and we're going to talk about it here on City Ringside with pro wrestling journalist and historian, the guy who smartened me up for the most part about 30-something years ago, and I'm talking about the, uh, I'd say the dean of uh, pro wrestling journalist, and his name is Dave Meltzer from WrestlingObserver.com. Dave, uh, so, so, so happy that you were able to get some minutes to talk about this week what a crazy week it was and and how you doing i'm doing good and and the week has not ended yet because the smackdown show is uh i'm sure there's going to be some big things on the smackdown show tonight so yeah it's it's only yeah this is this is the biggest to me this is the biggest week in wrestling in more than a decade for sure and as this just this drops on monday but as we tape this it is uh, Friday before SmackDown, so uh, we have not yet seen what the last uh, the the last cannon, so to speak, in the uh, in the war. Hey, uh, wanted to uh, get your impression of of the the two shows, uh, the Wednesday Night War shows, uh, AEW. I know most people think that AEW had a better show, but um, but uh, NXT had better matches. Uh, you on the same train as everybody else? I guess I would say that I thought that I thought the best match on the of the night was the Adam Cole Matt Riddle match, and I thought that um, NXT had really good wrestling, um, but AEW felt like you know AEW felt I, I I think my description of AEW was was like it felt like the glory days of Nitro except without the real bad angles that Nitro would would um, throw out there, um, but it didn't have the star power of a Nitro. You know, because th- those guys were just a different level of stars, but it had that feel, and I think you know, um, Shivani being on there kind of helped that. But the crowd, they, both both shows had fantastic crowds. I don't know how long that will last in both cases, because with the AEW crowd, it was like the newness in the first one, and that full sale crowd for you know is like 
you know, they're going to be going to that same building week after week after week with those same people, and you know how that goes. You know, it's it's hard for people to keep getting excited seeing the same thing. So, um, you know, it's sta- stage one. You know, like WWE said, it's it's this is not a sprint; it's a marathon, and it was only it was only the first, uh, you know, the first hundred yards. It helps certainly that um, both sides, it seems, both audiences wanted to help the shows. They were all in <laughs> to steal a, a, yeah. a reference on the shows. You know, as somebody who who worked at center stage for a long time, where they papered the crowd and um, and and the impact zone, where you had twenty diehards and the rest people were going to, to the park and uh, and didn't really plan on going to wrestling. It, I could tell you how much it helps when the crowd is on your side, almost like an ECW vibe. Did you sense that? Very much so. But here's the problem is that, like, one of the things is that, um, you know, you were going back in, in center stage, you know, and, and it wasn't weekly. It was every couple weeks. And, and um, Impact Zone was also every couple weeks. They're going back every seven days to that same building with those same fans. And, I mean, the reality is, is that, you know, come week 10, those fans will have seen everything, everyone do everything, and they're, they're still going to want to will them on, but it's not going to be like week one. And, and, and with AEW, this was the first TV show ever, and that crowd was there to make sure that, that first TV show ever was, was good. But, you know, come week 10 in, um, you know, wherever, in Champaign, Illinois, I think that's where week 10 actually is, um, you know, it's, it's not week one. It's not something new. It's still, it's still a national show, and it's still live, so there'll be a good crowd, but it, this... This like you know big crowd that they had. Um, it was it, you know it was it was a special night you know for for those fans. Sure, I, I know that this was sort of a. Or I think this was you would know for sure. This was sort of a, the NXT on USA was sort of a last minute uh, thing that happened. So, uh, any chance in your mind or any word that uh, that they'll eventually take the show on the road? I got to think that as soon as the ratings came in on Thursday morning, that that was the first thing suggested <laughs> <laughs> because that was the big thing. You know, I mean, we knew that kind of going in because I've seen NXT on USA for a couple of weeks and I, and, and my vision of what AEW was, was what the pay-per-views would look like. And it's a big crowd and it makes one look major league and it makes one not look major league. And, you know, usually historically when you have these head to head battles, WWE is always the one that looks major league or, or when we had the uh, Monday night wars, they both did, but this one, WWE was definitely at that visual disadvantage and Vince doesn't like to lose, you know? And so I, yeah, I mean, it was it was 72 minutes into that show where I got a text from somebody in WWE going, like, we've got to get out of this building. So there you go. Well, we'll be looking uh, to see what happens with that. Uh, I do agree with you, by the way, taking nothing away from JR and Excalibur, who did a great job. And I think JR was, uh, was I don't know if he was pumped, but uh, he was about as excited for this show uh, as, as I've seen him for a show probably since a WrestleMania call. But I do agree that I think Shoney, Tony Schiavone was sort of the bridge that kind of uh, put that whole announced team together. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that with the uh, – I think there was just some- I think that I know really like three years ago when you've said like Tony Schiavone is going to be announcing pro wrestling on TNT and, 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 uh, you know, especially with like all, all these new guys. I mean, the whole story of AEW is, is amazing. And the, you know, the redemption of Tony Schiavone is an amazing story too. 
You know, I mean, it was like, we never thought, I mean, I never thought I'd ever see that guy again. <laughs> you know what he I mean? Was I thought done. he was long gone. He was done. I thought he was, well, long, he's been gone since 2001. I know, I was then, there. Oh. He walked away and he never looked back. And, uh, you know, we stayed in touch a little bit. I called him and I left him a voicemail yesterday. I didn't expect he would pick up. He's probably swapped because I still think he's doing all the other stuff that he used to do before this. But um, it's just, to me, that's an amazing story that sort of goes under the radar. Uh, uh, guys like him and guys like Keith Mitchell. Keith Mitchell's a little different because he's been with uh, well, Keith, Keith was always in the business. Yeah, yeah, so. he's been with TNA the whole time. So he's been, but but t- Tony's something. Uh, I, I think that you know, if if you take away all the layers of what an amazing year and a half, two years this has been for the wrestling business, and I'm not trying to kiss Tony's butt. I'm, it's just a reality for those who know his story. Uh, he was done. He wasn't coming back. Uh, and and if it wasn't for his daughter's wedding and a, a chance meeting with Conrad Thompson uh, needed some funds to, to, to get the wedding paid for, he probably wouldn't be in this position. He'd be calling for the, the minor league games for the Braves still, so or the Georgia Bulldogs. So what an amazing, amazing, uh, you know, tour. So, that, almost- so that's the story? I mean, I, I knew it was, I mean, Conrad Thompson was the guy who brought him back, and then Court Bauer was the guy who put him on television. And when he was on television on Court's show, which nobody saw, or, or very few people saw, I should say, I mean, it was like, yeah, you know what? He's he's pretty smooth. He's good at this, which is funny. I mean, because, you know, I mean, one of the things I think that we've all learned about announcing is that when things are good, you're great. But when things are bad, I mean, because I, I see this with Mike Tanay. When TNA was really, really hot, Mike Tanay was the best announcer there was. And when TNA just went to hell, you know, it was just like you can't save it and your rep goes with it. And, and Tony was the lead guy during that, that period where WCW went down the tube. So that perception of Tony was, you know, I mean, Tony never had a perception of being a bad announcer until the very end of WCW, but he definitely did then. But that's because that was because he had to sell a terrible product. And that's, you know, the same with Mike at the end with, with TNA when he was having to sell that terrible product. And it, it just, it hurts. And I mean, and I think that when, when WWE's product is bad, you know, everyone blames their announcers too, without a doubt. I know that because with, with, everyone's blaming their announcers now, how terrible they all are. And it's like, you know, if they had a great product, um, I mean, the problem with the WWE announcers is they're micromanaged and nobody talks like a real person and, and it's very, very fake. And I think that, um, but yeah, it, it, the whole announcing thing's a really, a really interesting story about the perception of announcers. I can I can tell you from firsthand knowledge that Tony was just totally I don't know about Mike at the end because I, I I went away but Tony was just totally burnt out I mean totally lighting the candle at both ends he was the produ- executive producer for all the syndicated shows that were starting to go away and and Saturday night and all that stuff and then to have to try to carry what was at that point as you said a extremely flawed product at best uh, just uh, aid, aided him in in a in a in a way that really just uh, burn him out mentally, physically, and uh, all around. So glad, glad, glad to hear his redemption story. I'd, I'd love, once this all passes and, uh, and we see where this all goes, I'd, I'd love for somebody, maybe you could do it because you're a great writer, to write uh, the Tony uh, Schiavone redemption story. I wasn't going to bring this up, but since you mentioned his name, any chance that Mike Tanay ends up anywhere in all this? I figured he would, and he hadn't. I mean, there's 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 a chance. I mean, he's been talked to by AEW and he's been talked to by WWE, but it's never. I don't. I don't think it ever got super serious. I mean, I know with um, WWE, the role that Drake Maverick played on 205 Live as commissioner of, of the cruiserweight division, Mike was offered that, but I just. Um, I guess he turned it down essentially. 
And then um, with AEW, I know he had a conversation with them, but I don't think it went any farther. And actually, I, I, I know from Tony Khan, you know, who, who liked Mike's work, I, I actually thought that, that, you know, it would go farther. And maybe, and, you know, no doors were shut. It still, it still could happen, I suppose. Yeah. So, since we're talking about the announcers and then we'll move on, uh, any word on what, uh, if any, uh, place in the process that our buddy Alex Marvez is going to have at this point? I don't know. I, I, um, you know, he wasn't. He didn't do backstage interviews or anything like that on the show. They didn't have anyone doing backstage interviews, which I thought was interesting. On the they hardly show. had any interviews. They had very few interviews. I thought that they, I thought they needed a, you know, like I think that they were so gung ho about not being a talk show, like you know, the opposite of Raw and SmackDown, that I think they went a little too far in the other direction. But you know that I thought that they, you know, I, I believe that they should probably have like a rule of never doing interviews or almost never doing interviews that go more than two minutes. Every now and then you, you break that rule. But as a general rule, I think two minutes is long enough for an interview. And these 20 minute interviews don't do anyone any good unless it's a real special occasion. And I think that's, so I think that on the first show, they wanted to show people that we're a wrestling show. We're not going to have long interviews. And, um, you know, but, but you would think that you would want to have backstage interviews and, and things like that. Um, and a backstage interviewer and, and recap guys and all that. But, you know, I mean, Alex is with him. I'm not exactly sure what, what role he has other than I know he was there to prep the announcers this week. You know, oh, that's good. what he was doing from what I heard. Oh, good. I'm, I'm glad he's still in the uh, in the game. Um, so let's move on to the important thing. The ratings came out, and I actually read this morning on your website that, uh, that the replay did 650,000 viewers so we're talking about two million viewers that watched that show the uh, on wednesday night uh aw is that correct just under two million yeah yeah it's just under two million um yeah i mean the, the aw ratings the aw ratings were really really good they were way over expectations way over even their expectations and the key the key thing to, to the to the ratings uh for for aw is aw's ratings were really strong um, ages 12 to 35, I saw exceedingly that. strong. I mean, with teenagers, they beat, um, you know, they beat, uh, I think, um, um, almost every Raw and every SmackDown. With 18 to 34, they beat almost, you know, pretty much every Raw and SmackDown. The show would, on Monday where Flair and Hogan were on actually would beat them, but that, that would be the first time that, um, that uh, a Raw would have beaten them, would have beaten what they did since August, since early August. So, but when you get over 50, they did not do well at all. So it's almost interesting because WWE's biggest audience is 50 and over, and that's their smallest. WWE's weakest with 12 to 35, that's where they're the strongest. So it's very much not the WWE audience. Now, you could say it's the audience that WWE left behind, but I wouldn't even say that. They've cultivated through social media their own fan base, and it's bigger than they thought, and it's bigger than we thought. I was going to ask you. Every time. I was going to ask, not to interrupt, I'm sorry, I was going to ask you, the Being the Elite uh, episodes on YouTube, uh, did, is, uh, you think that looking back that those were uh, larger uh, in interest than, than people thought and also brought a younger demographic that was watching on YouTube that a lot of people didn't realize 
you know, got their got their entertainment from there because you know we're we're old school guys. You know, you turn on the TV and 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 but you know I can tell you I have a 22 and a 24 year old. My 22 year old hasn't owned the TV in years. He uh, he watches everything on YouTube or 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 Hulu or or all the different platforms. He doesn't need to have a television. So and he loves AEW and never he could care. He he texted me. Believe it or not, he he didn't watch it live. He was watching it uh, replay yesterday. He texted me last night. And goes, who's the Tony guy that's with uh, Jr. and Excalibur? And I'm like, uh, wow. he used to be my boss. You met him, but you were young. But uh, it just it's wow, wow. Yeah, it's crazy. So, so, but but no, no. I, I I think that that the the big part of the AEW story. And the AEW story is an amazing story. The big part of the AEW story is that things like being the elite. Um, cultivated something like I, I knew that they had a fan base and and look they sold a lot of t-shirts and you know you go out in public and I see those t-shirts all the time and not not as and I used to see them a lot more about a year and a half ago two years ago I mean when they first hit hot topic I saw them everywhere now I still see them you know but 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 not as much but the point is is like there's um, they hit with that with the being I think and the being the elites a big part of it they hit a younger demographic that wasn't even wrestling fans. And the other one too is, is the main event of their show did unbelievable numbers with teenagers. You know, it was like a half a million teenage boys were watching that uh, six man tag match, which is an unreal number for, for anyone in, in television. And I think I know from, I have a son who's 17 and to him, like Kenny Omega is a big deal to him. And I can't say it's not wrestling now because he went with me to the Tokyo Dome and saw Kenny Omega main event. But, but before the, before the fact, before he went to Japan with me, um, you know, he'd never seen Kenny Omega. Um, well, I take that back. He did see Kenny Omega wrestle at the cow house, but the, but Kenny Omega to him is this video games guy. Who's a pro wrestler. You know what I mean? So it's like to him, he knows Kenny Omega as a video games guy. He knows he's also a great pro wrestler. And I think that that's a, something that people don't realize. And I tell that to people all the time because they go, ah, you know, no one in this country knows Kenny Omega. You know what I mean? He's never been on TV here. Yeah, he's famous in Japan. And I go like, teenage boys know Kenny Omega. Way, you know, because all his friends now there who are not wrestling fans and who never saw Kenny Omega live. I mean, I remember with, with, was with them and we were talking about it. And this is only a couple weeks ago. And it's like, oh yeah, Kenny Omega. You know, Kenny. They know Kenny Omega, and they know um, uh, uh, Xavier Woods, but they don't know Xavier Woods as Xavier Woods. They know Xavier Woods as as Austin Creed. Those are the two wrestlers that they know, and they know, like they know Brock Lesnar and Ronda Rousey, of course, and you know John Cena. But 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 everyone knows you would know them. The point is, is that the ones that people don't realize that the teenage boys knows are, are Xavier Woods and, and Kenny Omega. Yeah, you mentioned the hot topics and, and what that when I think people finally realized, just to compare this to an era that I'm familiar with and that I was a part of, we really thought we, we really started to think that we had something going when we saw uh, so many people with NWO T-shirts on. Uh, yeah, well, that, and that's true. That was like the... <laughs> That was like the real turning point, you know, and the same thing with WWE two years later with the Austin T-shirt sure, sure, or a year exactly. later, a year and a half later. Yeah. So it's really it's, it's sometimes it's funny. Merchandise could be an indication of what you don't see just on pure numbers. Hey, I, I know WWE is no, pretty much no selling this. They sent out a, a nice congratulatory message, which I saw on social media. Chris Jericho wasn't buying. I'm wondering if you're buying it. Uh, uh, you can't buy it. I mean, everything's look. They did everything they could. I mean, everything they could to stop it. And they and and, and believe me, starting next week, they're going to come up with other plans to stop it. You know what I mean? It's like they're not like um, 
okay, week one's over, we lost, you know, whatever. They're going to be, you know, you watch that NXT show, and you know they're gonna they're gonna put bigger stars on, and they're 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 not gonna be resting. They're gonna be out there, you know, and that's and and whether it's clean tricks or dirty tricks, they're they're gonna be doing tricks every week because. That's the nature. Of the, it's the nature of the business, and even more so, Vince more than anyone else in the business. You know, you you've competed against Vince for years and years and years, and 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 everyone who has watched Vince, I've watched Vince for thirty five years, and 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 you know the 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 stuff that he does. You know, it's like it's it's um, you know, like I I even told those guys. You know, I mean, yeah, we knew Vince was going to go head to head. I mean, they knew it. I knew it. We all knew Vince was going to put put a show on head to head, and it was probably going to be NXT. I mean, from day one, but. You know, just the little things, um, you know, he's going to, him or his people are going to come up with ideas. And that's just, that's just them. And that's the nature of the business. But I mean, as far as, yeah, I mean, I guess some people came and, and, and saw this as like this, you know, well-meaning thing. And it's like, eh, you know, it's, it's WWE, you know, and, it, and, and if, you know, I mean, the one thing I will say is that, is that unlike with WCW, because I know where Eric stood, because you know, you, 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 and we all know, but with, with, um, AEW legitimately. And I mean, and I actually even tell these guys, I go, I know you're in a war with them, but just ignore it. You, you don't, they're sitting there and trying to figure out when to do the commercial breaks to hurt you. And they're sitting there with what can we do here? And what can we do there? And goes, and by doing so, they're not thinking about what's the best wrestling show. They put Adam Cole and Matt Riddle first, which is their main event and their best match because they wanted that big jump. And it's like the reality is they should put them last because that's the main event. Sure. So they're, you know, which is funny because they're the ones who are the dominant ones and they're the ones who should be, um, you know, I mean, like not being so whatever the word is, being, you know, reactive. And everything is reactive. I mean, they're just, they're just putting the show on USA with, with, with very little lead time. Is, is reactive. Everything's been reactive. And I just said, like, don't be reactive. You put on your best show and ignore them. They'll let them take the commercial breaks whenever they do. And don't be like WCW and WWE in the 90s where each one's staring at the other show and trying to manipulate. Just because, because to me, that while it was very exciting for a lot of years, it ended up being self-destructive, especially for WCW, where you're so worried about what the other guys are doing that you know, you, you lose sight of your own thing. You know, I mean, that's, I, I think that that was one of the big things with Eric because WCW as we all know, was doing great. And then the one week WWE won the ratings and when Austin and Vince got real hot, I just thought that they completely collapsed mentally because they were, and it's like, don't worry about them. You know, you know, you were doing good business. Then, you know, they, they did good business when WWE was doing great for like six months, eight months. And then, you know, they just, you know, panicked and panicked and Eric called out Vince on television and all that stuff. And it's just like, that thing was just, they, they fell apart because they, you know, and you just, you've got to ignore them and do your best show. That should be your only concern. We're going to do what is best for us and they can do whatever they want. Well, you've been around this business longer than I do, and you know that egos, <laughs> egos could get in the way a lot of times. And, and certainly, I think even Eric would admit that his ego got in the way. I had him on the podcast about a year ago, and I said to him, because I, I don't know that anybody ever asked him, I said, what was your plan if you put WCW out of business, uh, WWE out of business? Because I remember he used to tell us, you know, oh, they're, 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 the water coolers are going, and then, you know, we're going to put yeah, them out of this, business. He, Vince, Vince is the Vern Gagne, right? Yeah. And, and so I asked him, I said, what was the plan? What what are we going to do? He goes, I never had one. <laughs> he said, I just needed to keep getting, getting you guys, uh, the company, the, the wrestlers and the people that were working 
so hard excited. So I just kept talking and um, I never really had a plan, which I thought was interesting and, and truthful uh, on his well, part. The, pro- the, pro- the, pro- the problem with Eric, honestly, is that is that I mean, he had a great early plan, which was, you know, Hulk, you know, look, Hulk Hogan's larger than life and all that. And, you know, it was one of the biggest stars in the history of the business and Nash and Hall. And you had you had that thing and they had a great run, but nothing lasts forever in wrestling. And they, he never prepared for what's next because it's like when those guys were on top and you know you look at the guys who carry wwe you know the chris jericho's and ray mysterio's and people like that you know um you know i mean that 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 were real big stars in wwe and and, and, you know he had them and those were the guys to groom but it was just like it was always going to be hogan you know it's like they had bill you know i mean when bill was at his hottest you know they started putting him in semi-mains under hogan and it's like you know, I, I mean, I and I remember you know, talking to Eric and Eric. You know, this one, this is after the thing had started turning, and Austin and Rock were really hot. And it's just like you know, he in his mind, these guys are flashes in the pan. And he would tell me, he goes, "Where Hogan goes, goes the money." And I would say, like, not anymore. You know, everyone's got a shelf life. Hogan's old now. You know, it's like I mean, as a special attraction, every couple of months will Hulk Hogan come in and pop a rating? Absolutely. As a weekly character, you, you know what I mean? It's it's like it's over. You, you, and and they never prepared for life after Hogan. Yeah, and 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 he, there's still I was going to get to that. That's uh, on my list, and uh, I was going to get to that. But since you brought it up, uh, let's jump over to that. Uh, how surprised are you that after all this time, uh, Flair and Hogan? could still pull a nostalgia rating like they pulled on Raw this past week. Surprised uh, at all? Not that, not that surprised because they, you know, um, I mean, Flair, if Flair is given a platform, he'll always pull a rating, you know, unless, not as a weekly character, but every now and then. And and Hogan, I think it's the same way, as long as you don't overexpose them. And Austin, and of course The Rock, those guys, as long as they're used sparingly, they, they, they will for a long, long time. You know, it's, it's, um, it, it was more than I expected, but it wasn't, I can't say it was unexpected. Switching back to, uh, to the Wednesday Night War, which is what we're talking about. I just thought since you mentioned Hulk and Flair, I'd, I'd hit on it. Um, you, you, I know you have uh, contacts in WWE. I, I, I think it would be a stretch to say they're worried, but obviously there's, there's people in the company that are concerned. Do you get any inside information after this week in the ratings that have come out uh, of anybody of what level of concern that there is in there? Or you know, I don't know why they're concerned, but uh, I guess they like being the only game in town. Yeah, I, I no, not really. I mean, it's like you know, I've heard from people and everything, but it's like it's. I think the attitude is it's week one. Let's wait and see. Um, and and really, that should be the attitude because it is. It is only week one. I mean, in week five, it, it like in week five, they they so they they, they start with one point four million for the live showing. In week five, if they're at you know one million, that's that's a good number. Um, if they're at lower than one million, then that's a, then that's a different story, and they could be. And if they're at 1.8 million, you know, in week five, then they better be worried. Then you're worried. You know what I mean? Because if they grow, if they grow that audience to where it rivals Raw, I don't think they'll be able to beat SmackDown because SmackDown's on Fox. That's just such a bigger platform. Sure. But you know, you know, you should, if they can rival Raw, the, the Monday Raw rating, and I don't think they will anytime soon. But I'm not going to say. If they put on better shows over the course of a year, in a year, you know, there's no reason they wouldn't. Um, so, you know, it, then then you got to be concerned because, yeah, I think Vince wants that perception that nobody knows how to do wrestling better than me. 
and um, you know I'm the only one who knows how to do wrestling and, and make it work in this country. I mean, I remember even in the '90s, they, they, in the, when when I would write, when I had to come in the national, you remember years yes, and years I do. ago. This, okay, New Japan ran their first Tokyo Dome show and drew about forty thousand people to the Tokyo Dome. And I wrote about it, and I remember hearing from people in WWE, and they were so mad at me because of the perception that this is a national, you know, a national newspaper, a real newspaper that had a lot of credibility at, at the time. And it was telling the business, and everyone in the sports business world read the national. It was like, it was a big insider publication at the time. And it was like, it told people that somebody else knows how to do pro wrestling, even if it's in Japan as good as Vince and that was a real, like they were really upset. And, and, and that's when I realized that, that the thing with Vince is, is the aura that not only am I the best, but nobody else can do pro wrestling at my level. And you know, like, yeah, I mean, it's too early to say that they can uh, after one show and a couple pay-per-views, but if that happens and they can, that's, 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 it's a real chink in the armor because, you know, I mean, that was the whole thing that, that I think he fought against with WCW was the idea that, somebody was was better at this and i mean in this one the bad one is is with wcw um especially at, after a certain period of time like wwf killed with the younger viewers you know what i mean and wcw was bigger with the older viewers but this time the shoes on the other foot AEW is the one with the younger viewers and 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 when that story comes out and it kind of did on thursday a little bit and then we'll if it continues like this and people kind of pick up hey this is the one with the younger viewers. All of a sudden, it's going to be advertising going to go, hey, I, you know, we want to be with the hip brand. We don't want to be with the over 50 brand. And, and that's so that's the real key to watch, I would say, over the next five, 10 weeks is if they grow their teenagers and under 35s um, or, you know, or even maintain. And um, then all of a sudden, it's like, wait a minute, with the young people, they're number one um, because they started out. They, they started out week one, number one with, with under 35. Any chance you think that Vince will kill the scripted promos and sort of, you know, back in the Monday Night Wars, he was doing the goon and, 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 and the garbage man and all that stuff. And that was his, uh, that was his modus operandi. And then, uh, as he realized that maybe he was, uh, out of touch, uh, when WCW was doing the NWO, he, 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 he went with the times and with the attitude era and it, and it won the whole sure. thing. Any chance that, uh, that he realizes, especially with how hard some of the guys like Moxley, uh, uh on social media ha- have, which I'm sure has gotten back to him, have really crapped on it. Any chance that he'll go out there and say, Hey, be yourself. Or do you think that's just not in, in his DNA? I would expect on raw. You'll be seeing that real, real soon. Really? Because that's one of the, Oh, well, we got a scoop, that's... Jerry. That's that's absolutely one of Paul Heyman's philosophies, and Paul Heyman's got a lot. I mean, he, it's Vince's show, but sure. Paul Heyman's the you know Paul Heyman is certainly the number two influence and a strong number two influence on Raw, and Paul Heyman's mentality is very much um, you know more natural promos. Absolutely, I think you'll be seeing that on Raw going forward. Or, you know, even without this, you would have seen it on Raw. I mean, that was when 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 Heyman got in there. One of the big things was is like we 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 got to get more natural speaking, you know? So yes, I expect we'll see it. And, and that could change the whole game. Uh, something so small. I just had a thought in my head that, that, that bounded in my head. I wonder when we're going to hear about billionaire shock or billionaire Tony, 
Uh, Billionaire Tony, the sport. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're, we're a little early for that. We're a little early for that. But it just I think popped in get, my mind. I had never even thought about it before. Yeah. I think if we're two years in and the roles are and, and, and they're number one, I think that Billionaire Tony is going to come. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. So you had a yeah, part yeah. in this with your all in bet. Tell me about that. And uh, would you ever in a million years have thought that it would have turned into what it turned into? Of course not. Not in a million years. Somebody just sent me a tweet. And it was and essentially it was like, you know, could could Ring of Honor sell 10,000 tickets? And the most they ever did was 3,500. So I said, like, no, not not anytime soon. And, you know, Cody just immediately was just like it was a big deal to him. It's like, we're going to do it. And I mean, it really wasn't that soon. And it wasn't Ring of Honor, but he still did it. And it was unprecedented. And it was. You know, I mean, I I think that they were going to try anyway, but they may not have. You know, I mean, it may have been the impetus to do it. I know it was a big deal to him to, uh, you know, win that bet, so to speak. And, you know, then when that first show happened and it sold out in a half an hour, you know, it was kind of like they're on to something. And I when I was at that first show, the one in the first Chicago show, I thought, okay, they're going to be on TV somewhere because this show is too good. This audience is too strong. And somebody in TV is going to look at this and recognize it. And and I didn't know who it would be. And it being TNT, which it was way above the level that I thought. You know, I thought, that's another one. I, did you, you know, you know, forget about Tony Schiavone. Did you ever think that Turner, you know, I mean, forget about Ted. Because Ted, Ted, of course, would, but Ted was out of power. Did you ever think TNT would be bringing back wrestling 18 years later? I thought they, because how many, how many people do you think approached TNT in the last 18 years because of the history on the channel. Let's bring back wrestling. And it was always no, no way, no way. And then they went with it this time, um, which a lot, and that's Tony Khan, you know, Tony Khan negotiated that deal. And, um, I think that Tony Khan's role is, is going to, is very underplayed in a lot of ways. He's a really, he's a really smart guy at a different level, you know, that than people realize. I think there's this idea that he's, just some rich wrestling fan, you know, who's doing some fantasy league thing or something. And it's like, he's, you know, the first guy he hired was, was Chris Harrington, who's a friend of mine. And, and, and Chris Harrington is a numbers guy. As soon as he, I found out he hired him. It's like, he's running a company, you know, it's like, you don't hire Chris Harrington unless you're running a company. You know what I'm saying? It's like Chris Harrington's the last guy you're going to hire. If you want to do some fantasy thing where you spend billions of dollars and play wrestling promoter, you know what I'm saying? So, um, and then a lot of his moves, I know a lot of his moves are very much cost efficient and cost effective. And he's had a chance to sign a lot of guys if he wanted to spend the money that he did not sign. I mean, look, there's, you know, John Morrison and people like that. So it's like he signed who he thought he wanted and did pay them a lot, you know, Kenny Omega and Young Bucks and Cody and, and Jericho. Um, but it's not like they're just, you know, like with WCW where it's just like spending like crazy money for guys that aren't even helpful, that are just guys, you know, just because you're, you're throwing money around. I mean, they're not throwing money around in, in, a, in, a, in a stupid fashion either. That's another thing about AEW. Well, it's funny because a, a, a computer analytics has totally changed business. You mentioned um, when Chris Harrington went in there, and I think uh, Tony and Chris are both uh, computer analytics guys. I know Tony did for the for the Jaguars, and not to change the subject, and, and for, for for a lot of baseball teams. Too. I was just going to say, uh, I'm a Tampa Bay Rays fan, and uh, thrilled to death that they're and surprised that they're in the uh, that they're in the the playoffs here. Lowest payroll by far of any team, uh, but they rely 
rely almost totally on analytics. I've been in their offices um, at Tropicana Field behind the scenes, and they have these huge rooms where there's just people that sit around with uh, uh, like the black, not blackboards, but uh, marker boards and with computers and just uh, figure out, you know, all these different things, you know, how many, you know, what are the chances if we have four outfielders versus this guy versus and, and leave the whole uh, second base to third base wide open. And it works more than it doesn't work. So there is something to that. Uh, and the, the Rays. Yeah, well, it's, revolu- it's, it's revolutionized baseball. Yeah, completely. I mean, and not to take any, not to say they invented that. The Oakland A's and Billy Bean, there was a whole movie done about it. Well, folks. The debut happened, and the fun has just begun because Wednesdays on TNT, the revolution continues with All Elite Wrestling Dynamite. It's the most exciting professional wrestling in the last decade made for wrestling fans by the wrestlers themselves. AEW flies higher, hits harder, and with their all-inclusive roster of superstars, they're breaking all boundaries. This week, it's the opening round of the tag team tournament with the Young Bucks against Private Party Live from Boston, Massachusetts. Plus, I can't wait to hear from the elite to see what they have to say about the beatdown by Chris Jericho, Jake Hager, and company last week. It feels like the good old days, the Wednesday Night Wars, are back. The only thing that's changed is the day of the week for me, and I am looking forward to watching All Elite Wrestling Dynamite each and every Wednesday at 8 o'clock, 7 o'clock Central on TNT. We use the word revolution because this is a revolution! Hey, I got a question for you. There was one thing that I was sort of disappointed on on the AEW show, and, and I had been saying that I really hoped that when they started their television, they would tell some backstories. And I know in the promotion, they really, really, uh, one of the highest people that they have focused on promoting is Nyla Rose, because she has an interesting story, and I know that they're very big on diversity, which is awesome. Um, were you surprised that they didn't tell her story before that big match? Because a lot of people don't know. If you're just tuning in, a lot of people don't know her story. They did the night before um, on the TNT special. So I think that the, the, the special was there to introduce the characters. I think this was there to be a wrestling show. Um, so, but yeah, they, 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 I, you know, here's the thing. If this was WWE, they would harp on it and push it and push it to the point of like exploitation. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I, I agree. That, they shouldn't have exploited it, but they didn't and, mention and, and it. And I think that, I think that their, their thing is, is that we'll mention it. And then we've mentioned it. You know what I mean? I don't think they want to make it like this is some, some cause. Because then, you know what I mean? It's like now it's like, look how great we are. And I think that that's what you don't want to do because people see through that. Um, I get you know, it. I mean, some, you know, it's a fine you know, I mean, line. WWE, it's a, you, know, you know, I mean, and, and, and don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, some of the, the, the charity stuff WWE does is, is really, really good. But even when it is. It's like they hit you so hard. Look how great we are for doing it. You know, it's like it's like. I, I, unfortunately, you and I'm, I've been around wrestling for a long time, and and I know Vince, um, and and I know you know, and and you know, there's 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 two versions of it, and I, I would rather you you know you you mention stuff and then let it go as opposed to just we're so great. Look at who we're employing thing, which you know. So I think that. That's what I think is the situation. 
There is a fine line, and I did not see that show the night before. So, but I just watched the the two. Yeah, 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 yeah. They they, they 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 definitely you know uh, I think native I'm Native American, black, and transgender. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Hey, uh, knowing Vince McMahon like you do, uh, do you think he'll ever walk away, uh, or is he there till he's uh, till he's done, quote unquote? I think he, I think he's there till he's done. I think. I mean, they could always sell, and it wouldn't look when UFC got sold for four billion dollars. I know it like freaked everyone out in WWE, but it, in a good way because it's like, whoa, you know, like I mean, like. I don't think they ever thought they could get more than a billion dollars for the company. Now it's four billion. It's like that's a lot of money to walk away from. And now you know they don't have. Now they could get more because their stock went way up with those TV deals. Sure. So if somebody came in with seven billion dollars or six billion dollars, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Vince just goes, "Hey, you know that's just too much money to turn down." Um, and Vince is seventy-four years old. You know what I mean? It's like um, I, I, it. it so you know, any, anything can happen. But I, I, you know, again, I think that um, you know Paul Levesque will be the guy in charge. Uh, and and I, you know, but but without Vince there, does he last forever? And you know, that he he'd have to win over people's confidence because you know how that goes when it comes to you know like somebody buying a company. The old executives, man, you know they 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 seem to put in new guys. You know, with wrestling, the problem is like you know who. If you were going to replace Paul Levesque and Vince McMahon, it's like, who are you going to replace them with? I mean, it's like, they, they haven't, it's not like this industry has groomed a lot of great executives. And not to say that, like, they're the only ones in the world who could do it, but I couldn't come up with anyone um, to replace Paul Levesque, you know, in that position. So, in, in a sense, if they sell, he should be the guy. But then again, I've seen, I've seen too many corporate takeovers and seen too many good people lose their jobs. So, it's like, that's, that's also an issue. For sure. That's an interesting thing to think about. Um, hey, before I let you go, I appreciate the time you gave. I just have uh, uh, and your insight into this uh, first week of the Wednesday Night Wars. And uh, like you said, the biggest week in professional wrestling in 10 years. And as we tape this, like you said, it's not over yet tonight. Uh, the Rock returns to SmackDown. So I'm, uh, hey, when I'm interested in, in watching a wrestling show live, uh, that's, that, that's a WWE product because I usually DVR everything that they have. Uh, that means that they that they put something out there that got me interested. So I'm I'm interested to see uh, what the Rock has to say. Yeah, they got they got the Rock and Austin on the same show, and and um, you know the one thing with the last time Austin was on Raw, Austin's and you know especially when you watch him now compared to everybody else, those guys like Austin and Ric Flair and the Rock, they're they're different level performers. I mean that is the one thing I think inside the ring the guys are are better now than they were before. But I think that we do not have anyone. We have nobody in the business that's the level of um, Austin, Ric Flair, and uh, The Rock when it comes to Dusty Rhodes, when it comes to just talking. No, I agree. And that's because of the, a lot of that's because of the, the, the beginning of the scripted promos that, you know, totally yep, took yep, away. Yeah, because you can't, you, 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 you can't, you can't be, because these guys aren't great actors. So, so yeah, when they're doing the scripted promos, I mean, some of them are pretty good at it, you know, like, you know, Jericho's a great promo and, and Kenny Omega's a great promo, although no one's seen it. But but these guys like Ric Flair and Dusty Rhodes and, and um Austin and The Rock, I mean they're they're incredible promos. Yeah, I don't know that I that we'll ever see uh 
uh, unless something really changes and, and, and a lot of things are changing right now. So you never, never say never, but I, I, I would be surprised if we found uh, in 10 or 15 years from now, anybody that could even hold a candle to the flares and the Hogan's and the rocks and, and the Austin's. And that's, I think that's why they still draw that's why they still draw ratings, and I think that's why somebody like me, who would normally DVR even the first SmackDown on Fox, uh, is is going to watch it live just because you know I, I love the promos and those guys give, deliver them better than anybody else. You know that's what that's what got me started in in, in in this business too. Dusty Rhodes, Championship Wrestling from Florida, man. It was the promos. Well, he wasn't the greatest Dusty wrestler. Rhodes, yeah, Dusty, Dusty Rhodes. Dusty Rhodes in Florida was one of the greatest promos there ever was. Yeah, was Rick Flair in Charlotte. You know, in the in the late seventies and early, in especially early eighties. Incre- you know, I mean Jim Cornette. Remember, I mean I remember watching. That was the one thing with the the, the early days of TBS when they got on eighty five, eighty six, eighty seven, um, especially eighty five and eighty six. When you had, you know, I mean they were all good wrestlers, but it was just like you had Ric Flair, you had Arn Anderson, you had JJ, you had Jim Cornette, you had Dusty, you know, me Magnum TA. I mean, you had a run of promo guys that were just incredible in that era. I remember there was one point where they started just doing like 30-second squash matches uh, and then like f- five-minute promo segments. So they didn't even do a match. squash, 90-second promo match, yeah. yeah, yeah and and all those guys, all those guys, you know, one after the other. I mean, I, I watched a one-hour, um, you know, show. It was about two years ago because I don't watch a lot of old stuff because I don't have time. But I watched a show from 85, I think it was, or 86, and – you know, rewatching it, and the one thing that hit me is like, you know, this this, this wrestling is pretty basic compared to now. But my God, like even the guys like Magnum, who like Magnum was a good promo, and and I always thought of he was a good promo. But it was like when you had Ric Flair and Dusty and people like that, and Arn and Jim Cornette. It's like I never thought he was a great promo. It's like God, Magnum's better than all these guys now. You know, Tully Blanchard's better than all these guys now. There was the, that's the one thing those guys had. Nick Bockwinkle, my God. Yeah. You know, I, when when Nick Bockwinkle passed away, and I started watching his promos with Bobby Heenan, and it's just like, my God, if that guy was around now, there'd be nobody in his league. You know, as, as a promo. So yeah, that's, yeah, that's that's the one thing those guys had above the guys now. That's the lost art for sure. So before I let you go, I, I had a couple of just g- g- generic questions that I've been meaning to ask you if I ever got you on the podcast. Um, First thing I wanted, I was curious, uh, who was the first professional wrestler or promoter to smarten you up, to really say, hey, kid, let me tell you how it's done? Because you smartened a lot of us up. There's really nobody. I kind of, I, I had met people around San Jose that were aspiring wrestlers that, that kind of did more than anything, and then it was just sort of osmosis. And then by the time I started the newsletter, I think people assumed I, I knew more than I did. and Kind of winged it? I had normal, <laughs> normal conversations. I mean, I, I, put like, I learned a lot from Bill Watts, without a doubt. But I, I can't say, like, he smartened me up. Now, now, did he smarten me up as far as, like, psychology of wrestling and psychology of promoters and all that? Absolutely. So, I mean, you could definitely say, you know, Bill Watts, Larry Matisic, Terry Funk, Paul Bosch, those guys would, would all come to mind. And if and those are the four I was thinking of when I asked the question. So, because uh, I've obviously been reading for a long time. Um, 
What, what, what's your take on, I really don't get involved in it, but what's your take on this whole uh, performance art versus uh, sport thing that's going on on social media lately? I don't even care. I mean, it's all the, <laughs> it's all the same. You know, call it whatever you want. It's like sports, inter- uh, this is sports entertainment. This is, we're doing pro wrestling. They're doing sports entertainment. It's like, it's all sports entertainment. It's always been, it was sports entertainment when you had Gorgeous George, you know what I mean? That was in the 40s, late 40s. Um, when you had Man Mountain Dean, that's the early 30s. It's always been the angel, you know, the, the the French angel. It's always been entertainment. Um, it's not sport. It has elements of sport. I think you want it to have a sports feel and 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 make you. It's a movie. When you, when I watch a movie about sports, it's not sports, but you want it to be. Like, you want the sports stuff to be legitimate. You don't want it to be cartoon. You know, like if you watch, you know, any any great sports movie, you know, you, you want it to be not fake, not so fake that you just go, oh, this is crap, it would never be like this. And I think that's what pro wrestling at its best would be, is that it's it's it, it holds on to, you know, logic, I suppose. Like, it's like, like just like the thing on, on, and this wasn't a criticism of AEW, is when Moxley attacked Kenny Omega right in front of the ref in the middle of a match, and it's not a DQ. It was kind of like, it's like, hey, look, the, the brawl was great, the angle was great, but I want more logic where why is this not a DQ? If that means having to bump the ref, bump the ref. If that means, you know, you do it before the match starts, do it before the match starts. I didn't like it that way because it was just like, you know, you want that... Um, you want that feel that this could be legitimate, and I, I always and, I, and the one who was really great at that was Bill Watts. I always liked when I would watch Bill Watts that everything made sense. Roy Shire was another one. Everything made sense, um, you know. Whereas with with you know WCW and WWE, I'd watch and it's like this doesn't make sense. Um, and and and, and um, Eddie Graham was another one. You know, it's like Eddie Graham did a lot of referee bumps, but he had to do them for certain reasons. And Eddie Graham. Eddie Graham always emphasized the sports aspect of those those guys, you know, like the amateur champions. And with Dusty, it was always, you know, he played baseball and he played football. And, you know, I mean, they tried to get them over as, as athletes and badasses, um, not, um, you know, not artists, so to speak. I, I think that, um, but yeah, I mean, as far as the terminology, it's all, it's all the same to me. I think that they're... I think that on the independent scene, certain, some things work that would not work on national TV. And if it's on, you know, like, look, if you're doing something in a bar in front of 400 people and it pops them, good, fine. I, you know, that's, that's, that's wonderful. Um, it doesn't ruin the business to do that. But if you did it on national TV, I don't think that would be smart. Good answer. <laughs> hey, what did it, you, you mentioned the table with Kenny Omega and them and then brawling to the back. That this may be very strange and 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 uh, but the one thing that stood out to me there was a Time magazine on the table. I, and and hmm. did I don't did you didn't notice that? I didn't notice that. There was no. a bunch of magazines, but then the top one was Time, and I'm thinking to myself. If you're in a VIP area for the first show of a new wrestling company, why are you reading Time magazine? I don't know. I, don't I have know. no idea. One of those things I saw Time Magazine, I was, I, it was like something, you know, the old Sesame Street, something doesn't belong. But uh, that's mm-hmm. nitpicking for sure, but uh, we're allowed to nitpick. A couple other questions, uh, and, and, and uh, piggybacking off the performance art question, uh, 
I see that you're involved in a lot of social media back and forth. That when you first started, you know, you had let, I remember reading the, you know, letters to the, to, to the observer and people would write in and ask questions and stuff. And it's a, as we know, a totally different world, no internet. Uh, uh, the world moved a lot more slowly. Uh, what do you think about uh, Twitter and, and, and the internet? I, I see that a lot of people seem to be giving you, I don't want to say a lot, but I'd noticed more people giving you a hard time uh, on social media than I ever noticed really any, any, you know, in the past as far as any other platforms. Yeah, it's, it's actually a, a real small percentage. And I really notice it when I go out places and you really don't see that it's, it's, and it's a concentrated effort. You know, it's like, you know, you have people who, um, for whatever reason, you know, and it's to get their podcasts over and stuff like that, you know, created this, this idea and things like that. I mean, it, it ended up being good marketing for those guys, but it's fake. And then, you know, I tell them, look, they don't, to them, it's fake. If it's real to you, you know, then you're being conned. But, you know, some people will, that's the first thing they'll hear. And, you know, you become like a villain to people that don't know you, never read you. So it's like, whatever. But it's not, um, you know, I mean, if you really look at the response I get, it's it's a very, very small percentage. But it's absolutely there. But it's like I, um, you know, you kind of got to get rid of those people because they're negatives in life, you know. And it's like, and they don't want to learn. You know, I mean, that's the one thing. they And, and there's just people who they're, they're troll for attention, and every athlete, every celebrity gets it, and they're all bugged by it. I mean, like, that's the one thing is, like, there is a, a very much – it's social media for the, the – even for, like, the younger generation guys that have used social media to make their names without television and made big names and been able to make a living. You know, there's a lot of wrestlers out there, you know, that, that, are, that are making a nice living wrestling that are not in – you know, just doing independent shows sure. or Patreon or whatever, you know, through social media – but all of them um, have a very much love-hate relationship with social media because they all get bombarded, you know, especially, you know, not, not just, I mean, the, the guys and the women. I mean, the women, it's almost, I, I almost think it's worse with the women because, you know, women in wrestling is like, you're judged so much on your looks, and then you have these guys just ripping on you. You know, you're always going to be self-conscious because, you know, you're judged on your looks, and then you're in a business with these women like Mandy Rose or Alexa Bliss that are just ridiculously good-looking type of thing. So you're a really good-looking woman, and, and people are calling you ugly. And it's just like, you know, and you're, and you're making your living on your looks. It's going to drive you crazy. And it has. And I mean, like, the, 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 and, and so I think the women get it the worst. Um, but the guys, you know, the guys that are, that are good, that are not on, in WWE, those WWE fans just kill them. And, and, and I think that they listen too much because I know guys who, who are phenomenal, phenomenal workers that have changed their work style because people rip on certain aspects of their work style. It's like, this stuff is working. Don't listen to them. You know, it's like, oh, you know, you do this too much. And it's just like, don't listen to them. You're way above them. Um, I mean, like, you know, they, and they don't know what they're talking about anyway. Because, you know, like, look, they're, they're guys on the outside. I mean, I think it's one of those things where if you're not in WWE, you know, like, just, and again, this, I was not referring to Will Ospreay when I said this. But Will Ospreay is the name I'm going to use because he's such an absolutely phenomenal wrestler. And he does get this. You know, people just like, oh, you know, like, he, he couldn't be good because he's not in WWE and all he does is flips and everything. And it's like, this guy's one of the greatest in-ring performers I've ever seen in my life. Um, 
And if people are going like, oh, you know, don't do this, don't do this, like, you know, it's like, and I've never seen Will change for them. But if if he was even like tempted to, my thought would be just like, dude, you know how to have a good match more than I do, more than these people do, because I see it all the time. Your brain, when it comes to this stuff, is at the highest level, and your athletic ability is at the highest level. So don't even listen. And I don't think he does, but but I know he hears it, and I know, you know, it's it's. But it's it's ridiculous when these guys, you know, work so hard, and these guys today work so freaking hard in the ring. And and they really give you great matches, right. and then you know you go in there and you read, and and people go ah, oh, you know it's like you don't know how to work, and it's like they know, how, they freaking know how to work. You know, it's a different, it's it's a different work, it's a different style, but it's the style that appeals to the younger kids. Sure. I mean, you know, it's like I know with my son, it's like that video game style. It's like that's what he wants out of pro wrestling. They don't want the the, the other style, and these guys can all work that style and have on. on when the story is right, I mean, you know, when people say the Young Bucks this and that, I have seen the Young Bucks work a traditional Midnight Express match, and they are absolutely phenomenal at doing it, but it's not, you know, but they get over more not doing it, you know, and it's not like, oh, they're, they're doing it wrong. It's like, no, they're, they're doing it right for their times and their audience, but they can do the other style. Will Ospreay can go in there and do, go just exchange holds on the mat, but the reality is, is that the people who watch him want to see Lucha Libre. So he gives them Lucha Libre and Lucha Libre is not like, you know, it's not a crime. Lucha Libre is not a crime. I grew up with Lucha Libre. So I have a lot more open mind to people who didn't grow up with Lucha Libre. Just like, oh, you know, it's not wrestling. It's like it, it's a very popular form of wrestling and, and it appeals to a lot of people. But it's not what what it's not what you grew up on, on in, 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 you know, most of the country. But, you know, again, I, and I think maybe that was my luck of growing up in California is that we always had a couple of luchadors on the cards and they did that style, so I learned that style, and it was it was different from what the other guys did. British style was different from what the other guys did. I love British. I was got a kick out of that too. I love British style. Uh, yeah, um, I was in TNA, and I uh, Generation Me came in. Uh, the Young Bucks. I saw something in them that I don't think anybody else saw at the time. Uh, and I'm not trying to toot my own horn. I've never told that story before. But when I, saw, I was sitting out ringside and I saw the things that they were doing and the way that people react, I was like, these guys have it. If somebody will give them an opportunity, they have it. They have the look, they have the moves, they have the ability, and they have the charisma. And they might be small, and it might not be your, you know, your typical, uh, your typical, you know, old school, you know, kind of match. But they have something, and I've never said that before out loud. So it's not like I'm, I'm trying to take credit or anything. But yeah, they, you're right. They, they could do it all, and um, and good for them that they're uh, at the, reached the success that they did. I just hope they don't do any of those crazy ladder matches anymore, because there was a couple oh, times in that in that match that I was uncomfortable uh, watching. Oh, that match! That match was that that was the craziest ladder match I've ever seen, and I was there live. And you know, it's like. They're really under control. I mean, Nick Jackson, especially when you watch him, it's like he does all this spectacular stuff, but he's under control. But there were a couple of spots, especially that very last one, where it was just like when he was when he was going through that thing, at, and, and it's like, oh my god, he was he was not in control, and he could have been hurt really bad. And I know his his family was scared to death, and I was scared to death through that spot. And, and I don't think he's ever going to do that one again, too, for that very reason. Is that where he but, caught um, caught his foot on the top rope? Yep, yep, yep. I thought yep, I, 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 I was I was 
really seriously concerned. I wasn't there live, but I was watching. I was really seriously concerned to watch him make sure he can move. Uh, you know how in the in the NFL now, you know they they make the right. players, you know, out of precaution, you know, stay stay not moving, and they put all the the gimmicks on, and they 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 take them off in the ambulance. But I I wouldn't have been surprised if that knock on wood, thank God it didn't happen. If that was the end result of that, because that was not pretty. That was that was no I can't even... no 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 that was that was that was a bad. One. I will say when, when it comes to those two guys, you know, I watched them in TNA. And I cannot say, I mean, I, I knew they had talent. I mean, I knew they had talent going in, but I did not see this for them. Okay. When I first, the, the first time I noticed it was, was when they were in Dragon Gate and they did some matches in Dragon Gate where my, my thought was, these guys are unbelievable and they're doing like twice as much as they need to be doing. You know, it's like, it was almost like that old school thing. They're doing twice as much as they need to be doing. I'm sure I wrote it. It's like, oh, these guys are they're super talented. But do, if you do half of what you do, um, you know, you would be better. And then I saw them the first time I saw them live, which was um, the first time I ever saw them live was PWG. And immediately it was just like, God, they know how to work an audience. And that was the one thing. I, I People told me for years how good they were in PWG, and I didn't, uh, PWG, it's local Los Angeles stuff. I didn't really respect PWG as much as I should have, for sure, which is funny because of all the great talent that was already going through there. But, um, you know, if I had known, I'd probably been ahead of the curve a lot more. If I was going there when Brian Danielson and Kevin Steen and Sami Zayn and all those guys were there with the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega was there. I mean, can you imagine, like, how good those guys were then? You know, I mean, they're better now, but still. That was like the formation of all those guys. And that's like um, in a little building that had no air conditioner, right? Yeah, yeah, a little building, yeah. So I, finally I went there. Um, you know, and they just tore the building. I guess they're tearing the building down right now, which is funny because I kind of got nostalgic for it last night. But several years ago I went there, and the Young Bucks were in, I think they were in, um, they were, they were the, the top guys on the first show that I saw. And oh, I watched the way they worked the crowd, and it was just like, these guys are like, this, this, they remind me of somebody. I mean, in the middle of the match, like, they remind me of somebody, like, these guys. And I was like, and I was like they're the freaking Midnight Express. I mean, that's what they were, because they were working heel at the time. Um, and it's like, they're like the freaking Midnight Express with their ability to work a crowd. And it's different, and it was different moves in the Midnight Express, but it, what it was. And I think that, um, and, and every time I say that, Jim Cornette, like, blows the <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> he just absolutely, but they were. That's what they are. They're the, they're. They're the equivalent of, of um, I mean, now they're they're sort of baby faces, so I wouldn't say the same thing now. But as a, the, but the Young Bucks as a heel team are, you know, the equivalent of the Midnight Express. As a baby face team, I don't really know. I, I, I wouldn't say they're, I'm sure that their idols were the Rockers, you know, probably when they were kids or the Hardys. But they're very different from both of those. I mean, even though they, they use a few, um, well, they, yeah, they use the super kick, so that's Sean's stuff, but... Um, but they're really not. I mean, when I watch them as babyfaces, I don't think of the Rockers. I don't think of the Hardys. When they were in TNA, I sort of thought because they they looked a little bit like the Hardys, like oh, they're the little kids being the Hardys. But but their work to me wasn't the Hardys, and and it's just different. It's just their their work as babyfaces is the are the young bucks and his heels too now. But but um, and they're really you know but and they're pretty much babyfaces now. So. Yeah. Um, and just to be clear, guys now. just to be clear, I wasn't saying that I thought back then that they were going to be, you know, uh, executive vice presidents of a new wrestling organization <laughs> that's going to, you know, freak Vince out. I just I just thought that they had something that you don't see a lot 
you know, and, and where they took that, I had no idea. Um, hey, Dave, thank you so much for uh, for giving us extended time. I know that you've had a crazy week. I hope uh, down the road we could get you back on, maybe talk more about the history of professional wrestling, because I know we're both um, we're both marks for that, if I could say that. And I, it's just fun now that I could like go on my a podcast. Well, the fact that I even have a podcast is crazy, but that I could go on a podcast and admit freely that I read your newsletter because I remember a time where uh, everybody in WCW read your and WWE probably read the Wrestling Observer and nobody would admit it. So yeah, yeah. Now now everyone admits it. Now yeah, they freaking yeah. yeah. It's it's, yeah, it's that that that's 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 that stigma's gone. Um, I mean the 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 thing with 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 um it, it's it's definitely more healthy when it comes to that you know in, in the sense of it's it's look I mean like before you'd have guys who wouldn't be um you know like like you know right it's like everyone read it but you you weren't supposed to admit it right I mean now if I go to a show in San Jose you know and it, and a WWE show the guys will come and and you know. Oh, you know, shake hands like I'm, you know, somebody, you know what I mean? And in front of all the agents and everything. So it's like, it's even in WWE, it's not a stigma anymore. And they, and they were the last ones where there was any stigma. I think the first time I met you as, as a ring announcer uh, for WCW was in Baltimore, the bar afterwards, uh, champions. And um, I sort of had to, you know, Hey, Hey, how's it going? Nice. Uh, nice to meet you. you know, <laughs> is anybody here? Right. And the funny thing hey. is the people that were the people you were worried about finding out that you read it because you thought you'd get heat. They were reading it before you were reading it. Yep. 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 That's, that's right. great. What yeah. a crazy story. I'd love to revisit the history of it uh, down the road, but I really appreciate you coming on this week. Uh, what an important weekend. I couldn't th- have thought of a, a better person to have break it down than you. Uh, WrestlingObserver.com, if you're one of the uh, three people in the world that don't get the Wrestling Observer or don't uh, aren't aware of the website, be sure to go and check it out. Thank you, Dave. I appreciate you staying longer than we had talked about, and uh, let's try to do it again sometime. I didn't know you okay, had a cool. seventeen. Thanks. I didn't know you had a seventeen-year-old son. That blows me away. But best to your family too. Okay, thanks. Thanks very much. Hey, big thank you to Dave Meltzer for taking extra time uh, out of an extremely busy week to uh, chat with us and some cool little inside in, uh, tidbits. There, I'm going to be more eager to watch Raw and uh, see if we get some uh, unscripted promos, and we'll see where that leads in WWEville. Uh, so to speak. So I want to thank him for his input and um, want to remind you if you do not already subscribe or do not just go to the website and check out the news, it's wrestlingobserver.com. It's it's hard for me to explain to people who didn't live it back then what a closed business this was and how exciting it was. I think I talked about it a little bit with Alex Marvez a few months ago how exciting it was to get somebody to, to, to get a newsletter every week to take you from territory to territory and smarten you up. And this guy that's playing this character used to be this guy in this territory and this guy in WWF. And it was, uh, it was every week. It was like an encyclopedia of, of, of knowledge and, and inside info. It was, and, and, you know, like I talked about at the end with him, um, it was uh, it was bad. It was considered you're you considered a mark if you read it, except for by that definition, everybody in the business were, including Vince McMahon, were marks. Because as I found out after a while uh, of being on the road, and when it became less of a bad thing to to do, quote unquote, it wasn't really bad. Everybody was reading it, but that was the that was the stigma. 
Uh, but as I, I, as it started being less of a stigma, I was shocked at the people that uh, that would read it because uh, there were people that I would think it, that I would hear Barry, ah, fucking Meltzer, he doesn't know what the hell he's talking. I wouldn't read that crap if you if you gave me a hundred dollar bill with it. And uh, and then you find out they're reading it the whole time because everybody wants to know what's going on in the business. Uh, everybody wants to know the inside stuff, which is why uh, the internet is so popular now because you get and uh, Twitter, you get um, you get instant gratification, instant gratification. Uh, Thursday night football went down uh, last night on uh, Hulu, and it couldn't come back on. So I went on Twitter and I went in the search engine and I googled Hulu Monday night fo- Thursday night football, and I could see that it was a nationwide outage. And instant gratification, ladies and gentlemen. There was not a way to do that 10, 15, 20 years ago. You just had to sit there and wonder, why the hell is Thursday Night Football not playing? And when will it come back? But now you have the answer at your fingertips, instant gratification. So, but I ramble. Uh, We uh, will be following the Wednesday Night War and the new quote-unquote Raw and SmackDown and the entire business moving forward and continue to book uh, really fun guests. Uh, sooner than later, Chris Jericho has promised to pop on, so we're looking forward to that current AEW World Heavyweight Champion. So we're looking forward for Chris in the coming weeks or month. And um, and uh, we're going to continue the whatever happened to dot, dot, dot. See, now I forget what that dot, dot, dot is called. Uh, see, ellipsis, yes. Whatever happened to ellipsis. And... Uh, Got uh, got some interesting names that uh, that we're looking that haven't uh, done an interview for a long time. So uh, glad. Thank you for uh, making September uh, a great month, and thank you for sticking with us. And uh, uh, like we said, tell your friends, tell uh, your neighbors, spread the word. And if you have any input, at David Penzer on Twitter. I'm not going to argue with you. We don't talk politics. But we will talk wrestling always. And I'll give you my honest to God feelings or any inside stories that people might have questions about. So it was fun to interact. But no drama on Twitter for this man. Until next time, this man, no drama, says, I'll see you next week on City Ringside. Follow David Penzer on Twitter at David Penzer. Also, make sure to follow the show on Twitter at Penzer Ringside. You've been sitting ringside with David Penzer on Radio Influence. Radio Influence strives to bring you excellence in podcasting. We work with personalities like TV chef Brian Duffy, radio personalities like Ian Beckles and DJ Eakin, news and political pundits like Vincent Hill, and independent journalists Frank and Tracy Beans, experts from the sports world like veteran football scout and coach Chris Landry, pro wrestling personality David Penzer, MMA experts Jason Floyd and Daniel Galvan, and strength and conditioning coach Jeff Crushell. If you're looking for food, sports, music, entertainment, politics, no matter the topic, Radio Influence has something for everyone. All of Radio Influence's programming can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.